Hello and welcome to the B Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Today I'm joined by Brent Perry. Hello. And Milosh. Oh, hello, hello. And uh, we're going to be uh, making some B Team history tonight, boys. We're starting a new project that will probably largely be the three of us. Um, we've alluded to this on other shows that uh, Milosh and I decided recently to. Um, do a thing where we would have somebody watch a favorite sci-fi show of ours where it would be a you know a rewatch for one of us and a, a first time watch for the other one so uh and Brent when I apparently you're a fan of both of these shows that we decided to do but we're starting with uh Farscape which is my selection for Milos uh given that it is it's not short but it's shorter than SG1 which is Stargate SG-1 was uh, Milos's pick for me, so we'll get to those as well um, once we're done with these, probably. But we are starting... Did you guys, like, know anything about the other one when you picked these? Because, like, it's weird that, oh, yeah. like, the two shows that you yeah, have have both was... Ben Browder and Claudia Black show up at some point. Yep. I mean, I was... I'm a big uh, SG-1 fan. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far yeah. as Farscape, like, I knew about it. Like I said, I told John at one point, like, I watched... Couple of episodes here and there, but I never really sat down and watched full storyline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm familiar with the show, of course. I knew about it for years, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch it one day. I'm gonna watch it one day." So when I pop up, and I told John about it. Like, dude, we should totally yeah. buy it. And I was like, yeah, "Why not?" And I have, for me, I mean, for the first five or six years of of SG One in America. It was on Showtime, which is a channel I never had, so I didn't bother with it. And then it moved over to the Sci-Fi channel, where I would watch it occasionally. And I did make a, make a coordinated effort to watch it once Ben Browder was on it after Farscape ended. But that was all so long ago, I don't remember any of it anymore anyway. Uh, um, with, see, with, with Stargate, I was, I, I was kind of spoiled, because like, Space Network here in Canada, which is basically <laughs> the Sci-Fi channel's fucking Canadian brother. They got it right away. Like instead of going to showcase, it went there. So I got to watch it pretty well from pretty well from day one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's and I cool. didn't I didn't really love it the first time around, but then they like started repeating SG one. Yeah. Atlantis and Universe uh, was the other one. Yes, the one with the one with the uh, the other fucking uh, not Baldwin. What the fuck is his name? Robert Bridges. Carlyle. Lloyd Bridges. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Bridges' brother. Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges was in it, right? Yes. Yeah. And like, yeah. honestly, like after going through that on rewatch, I fucking fell in love with it. Like, okay. Yeah, that's cool. So we we are starting with um, Farscape. Yeah, just a heads up, though, when we actually do Stargate, uh, we're gonna have stuff at the movie. Oh, absolutely, we are. I was gonna ask that, but we're probably a while away from doing it. But I assume we're gonna oh, yeah. start with the movie. Oh, yeah. um, yeah. We'll start yeah. with the movie. It has like very little to actually do with the series, but yeah, sure. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but I've been looking for an excuse to do the movie anyway, so That's we might fair, well. Fair enough. Um, so if the, 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 the BT podcast uh, needs anything in the weeds, that it's gonna get a remake or a reboot or something along those lines. I keep oh, hearing that Amazon was gonna do another show. But then it's it kind of went away. Timeline in the cycle. They're due in for a new show soon. Like, that's... Well, here's the thing. Uh, Dean Devlin, who served as, I don't know, a producer, I think, on both the movie and the TV show, or just the movie, I'm not really sure. Or he was... Yeah, I think he was a producer or I think writer he was on both. or both. 
Yeah. Uh, he's been actually pushing to get it done, and he has, like, a couple of other shows in the pipeline that he's working on, but I think, like, uh, Stargate Reboot is still kind of a love child of his that he wants it to get done. And I think we're at a point where, you know, it's not as novel idea as it was before. So definitely, somebody's definitely going to pick it up. Yeah, I think so. Um, so anyway, for a little backstory on the show we're actually starting with, um, <laughs> we're, we're covering um, Farscape by the Jim Henson Company, which aired on the Sci-Fi Channel from, I believe, 1999 to 2003. Um, yep. And let's go around real... Well, for you, Milos, it doesn't matter as much. You're basically watching it because we decided to do this. Um, but for Brent and I, I guess we can well, get into the... I was going to watch it anyway, so this yeah. is just more fun, I guess. And I can, it's just yeah. a good excuse to do it, yeah. Right. Uh, a good excuse but I, to do it, but I think it's going to be a lot more straining because okay. it's not going to be menstruating like one day. So here, here are a couple of here are a couple of ground rules that we've talked about for this show because this is basic. This is a first time watch for Milos, so we're tr- we're going to try not to go too, anything. We're going to try not yeah. to go too far into the weeds on the things we haven't gotten to yet because we don't want to. You know, mm-hmm. Brent and I know this show pretty well, and Milos has no idea what he's look. You know, no idea what he's headed for. So we're going to try not to. Uh, go too far ahead of where we are in the timeline at any given point, because I, for one, want Milos's genuine reactions to things as we get to them. I would also recommend to you, Milos, and we talked about this a little bit, I would not go too far ahead of wherever we're recording from. Just yeah, because there's, there's going to be things where it's like, do you, do you know what this is setting up, or like, yeah. Yeah, so if, like if we yeah, ask yeah, you that, we I'm ask like you completely yeah. okay with the whole like watching it two at a time and then recording and then watching it mm-hmm. two at a time. Yeah, that's okay. that's fine with us with us too. And there there will be some that we'll do as as one show. Like there's two parters and there's, there's three parters two and, and three parters. Yeah. yeah, and there's things like that which which I know we'll do those as one show <laughs> just because it's easier that way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the idea for this. Um, I've decided to call this series Farscape Tales, Tales of the Uncharted Territories, so that's what you'll see whenever we we do one of these. That'll be the, the way they're titled, and they'll be numbered as we number everything. Um, so, yeah. Um, shall we start with... Brent, why don't we just talk about how each of us came to this? Uh, why don't you start? Uh, the year was 1999. <laughs> I was a young teenager. Just dabbling with marijuana, and then a space science fiction show oh, with Jim Henson popped in, and I was like, well, I think I found my next hour, of, and from there on, I was hooked. Yep. <laughs> I, um, I, I, was very, I was very similar. It wasn't necessarily the Henson connection, although, I mean, I, I'm the type of person who will give any decent-looking... Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that for me either. Um, me, that definitely helps the show. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it does, yeah. Uh, I'm convinced Rockney S. O'Bannon was on something or other when he came up with this idea. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I was a regular watcher of any sci-fi channel thing that looked good. I mean, I didn't you think a lot... Yeah. yeah, I didn't think a lot of the stuff on that channel was very good at that time. Um, but this was, you know, I remember watching the first episode of this and being absolutely blown away because it was a a step or three above anything else they had ever done. 
Um, and I didn't think it would, you know, it's not something that I think would work on network, would have worked on network TV then. Uh, or, I have a, a slight tangent question here. When did Voyager start? 1995. Okay, and it would have been over before this one started? No, it it went on. To, it was on until two thousand two. Okay, so it would have it would have been direct competition with this. And like, there's a lot of things in this show that I think Voyager needed, like that whole stranger in a strange land, just like completely trying to figure out how the fuck to fit in with this crew of weirdos. Like, yes, there's a lot of little things like that. That if they would have took some of those ideas and put them in Voyager, I think people would talk about Voyager in a completely mm-hmm. different context. Like, yep. And as we get to the, the you know, we're going to talk about each of the characters a little bit without trying to trying not to like spoil anything, spoil anything going forward, which we don't want to do. Um, but I do think, and you know, knowing how much of a Trek fan I am, I mean, God, we have what sixty podcasts on Trek shit at this point, you know, something like that. Uh, I'm of the belief that this show. You know, there there are a couple of characters on this show that have, in my mind, have direct comparisons to, or at least in vague terms, to a couple of established Trek characters. But they share share character archetypes. Yep, but this show does them better. Uh, So we'll we'll get into those as you know, because I'll I'll bring them up as we're talking about each individual character when it when those are are uh, applicable. So uh, since you and I have talked about our history with this. Let's ask Milos, though, um, given that this is the first time we're attempting something like this, what are you hoping to get out of this? Like, you've heard Brent and I go on for years about how good this show is. What are you hoping to get out of this? I don't think he's heard me say that, because I only mentioned it the other day, and they're like, I love this show, and you were like, I've I've said it for years. I've called it it my favorite sci-fi show that doesn't have the word Trek in the title, uh, which it is. So... Um, Honestly, so, I'm just hoping for a good show. <laughs> good. You're like, gonna you get one. Because I'm not setting. Yeah, I'm not setting a bar too high. <laughs> like I never do with certain stuff. But it's like I, you know, I know he has a certain like I don't know cult following at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's but you have to know like it's got to be good. You know, you know, it's not gonna get their reputation just by exex- existing. So, yep. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, and you know, you know how much I. Deliver, so. You you know me well enough to know that I get stuck on bad writing like really easy. So if I'm sitting there going, "No, this like has some really great writing in it," like you're probably gonna at least enjoy it a little bit. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, as far as I know, in reality, this entire show was filmed in what New Zealand, Australia. I thought it was New Zealand, but it, it seems like it's Australia from the cast list like most of them are australian not new zealand so i don't know if they just pulled talent from there and shot in new zealand or if it was actually done in australia but yeah it's, it's definitely uh, somewhere between those two big islands yep okay so we'll run through the plot as quickly as so we can I've... i'm looking at the list what <clears throat> mdb has for some point but most for of the locations it's actually australia yeah oh cool okay yeah. um so we open on uh, Commander John Crichton, played by Ben Browder, who is essentially the star of this whole thing. Uh, he is a essentially a NASA scientist. I think they call it something else. It's like IASA, not NASA, just because I think they probably can't use the NASA trade. You know, they probably can't use NASA without paying for it. Um, so he's 
Uh, yeah, but even the logo on on his jumper is basically. Yeah, it's it's pretty close. Yeah, they just like... they just switched the N for an I, I think. Um, yeah. So, so he is a a NASA scientist. He's not a pilot, um, and he's working on an experiment where he's trying to determine whether um, you can use a planet's gravity to add to your acceleration in space travel to make it's it's an old sci-fi that it's the fucking slingshot maneuver. Yeah, it's the yeah it's the slingshot from Star Trek. Yeah, mm-hmm. just. Just using a planet instead of whipping around a sun like Star Trek had it. Um, Same basic principle. Yeah. Use the gravity of the planet to whip yourself around faster and basically shotgun yourself the other side. And it's yeah. So John is, um, you know, he's 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 the one who came up with this theory with a buddy of his who works there also, and they have some interactions at the beginning where John's a little nervous about it because you know he's basically using government funding to go prove his own theory, and he's like, if this doesn't work, I'm fucked, you know? Like, all this, this whatever we've been doing for the last how many years, we're screwed if this doesn't work. So then he go, you know, you, you see him go, he's headed out to the launch pad, and you meet, and you run into his father. Uh, what was the father's first name? I, I don't remember. Mr. Uh, we don't, was it Jack? Okay, yep. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just call him Mr. Jack Crichton, played by Kent Kent McCord. Um, so there's a there's an inspirational speech. Uh, the father was more of an I I think he was a, a space pilot type more than the scientist that John. I'm is. not sure if he was meant to be like a NASA pilot or an Air Force pilot, but he was definitely some kind of like. Well, he said he said he'd done a moonwalk and stuff. So oh, my okay, so it was definitely NASA then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was on the moon and he did the spacewalk and stuff. Yep. So yeah. So I guess the reason why this is, you know, not controversial necessarily, but why this is such an undertaking is not only is he uh, taking a space shuttle up to do this, but the the smaller craft that he he's doing it in is something that that was his design. It wasn't something that he they didn't take like an existing NASA design and be like, here, let's just tool with this part of it and this should work he designed a craft from the ground up to do this test in so they go he gets in the craft they they go through space and they he starts to do the thing and then it um opens up like a and they refer to it as a wormhole later he doesn't know what it is immediately that pulls him into it and he gets spit out on the other other side of it uh not knowing exactly where he is because obviously he's disconnected from uh, they refer to it as Canaveral several times. I assume that's a reference to Cape Canaveral. Um, Cape, Cape Canaveral, Australia. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, wormholes, if you are a, a sci-fi person, I mean, Deep Space Nine was six years in at this point, or Deep Space Nine was in its final season at this point. Uh, people watching science fiction TV are at least going to be comfortable with that idea. They at least know the term, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he pops out in, in his ship on the other side of this wormhole thing. And into the he, middle of a battle. Like. Yep, into the middle of a battle between a couple of uh, like little fighter ship things and this giant spaceship that looks like it's essentially trying to run away from them. 
Um, and I love the ship designs. Like, just to break away from... Oh, the oh yeah. Design, the ship like, designs like, are awesome. Every one of them <laughs> is, like, very distinct and different, but, like, they don't seem to be direct copies of anything from any other sci-fi, which is a nice change I for 99. I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. Like, I, I was looking for that. I was like, what... You know, since I mentioned before, I haven't watched this probably in 15 years. Uh, the, the Peacekeepers, like, solo fighters, their little, like, fighter craft. The closest yeah. thing that I can come with them is the Air Wings from the Star Fox series of video games. Okay. You have the Prowlers, yeah. Even even that, it's, like, barely, like, there's, there's some basic shapes that are almost similar. It's not even, like, a one-for-one, one, but, like, that's the only one that I'm like, they might have pulled that shape from that thing, but, like, everything else is just different. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um... John ends up in the middle of this conflict, and he uh, gets chased by one of the peacekeeper ships that he accidentally clips and blows it up. And um, well, you know, turns out that's a bad him. idea. <laughs> yes, it ends up being very bad for him, which he's unaware of at this point. Um, but he gets like tractor beamed into the larger ship, um, and gets pulled into that. Gets out of his little pod thing and starts walking around. And then at that and point. Ben Browder nails it. Like, the pants-to-be-darkened face is just perfect. Yes. He's just like, what yes. the fuck is even happening? Like, Let, let me say from a, from a performance standpoint, like, and I don't think I realized this watching this originally. I mean, then this show started when I was, like, 22 years old, so it's not like I was a, I was a really young kid watching this, but I think it just hits me differently now. Um, if Ben Browder's performance doesn't work... This entire show is over. Like it's just he ha he carries this entire show, and if what he does doesn't work for an audience, this thing is canceled in a month. Within because... the first like six or seven episodes, especially once yeah. you get in so far, like you're invested enough in all the other characters that you're like, oh, okay, they're all kind of like pretty flushed out. But like his reactions to being the stranger in a strange new land is definitely it, it all hinged on that early on. Yeah. Yeah, yep. So he played it perfectly. He really he did, does. Yeah. He really does. And I, I watching the early scenes like when he's in the when he's in the Farscape pod, that's where the name of the show comes from by the way. His yeah. his his pod is named Farscape 1, which I had completely forgotten that was where the name of the show came from. Um but yeah, when he goes like Farscape 1 is like, "Ah, so yep. that's the name of the show." Yep. Nice. But watching those scenes when he's in the pod going going into the wormhole, I remember thinking to myself, this guy is Hal Jordan without the ring. Like, okay, see, I, I was thinking this guy is Super Dave Osborne, but in space. Yeah. See, my, <laughs> my, my initial thought was, he's Hal Jordan without the ring. Like, and you know, maybe that'll change somewhat as it goes on, but, you know. Yeah, he would have been a great Hal Jordan. He would have. Yeah, he, he would have. have. Oh, he would. Um, so, so he first encounters a little like um, roly thing with like Robot. little eye stalks and the and the claw thing. Uh, you find out later those are called uh, DRDs and they serve like a maintenance purpose on this ship. So um, he's essentially pushed by one of those DRDs onto the bridge of this ship um, where he runs into a bunch of aliens that he can't understand because they're all speaking alien languages. And he's watching this go on, and he's just like, I don't know what's going on here. What is this? Um, and he 
uh, one of them, uh, a bigger guy comes up on him and he's like, hi, who are you? And the, and the guy doesn't understand him, so he throws him up against a wall. And at that point, the uh, the, the DRD injects him with uh, translator microbes. microbes. Yeah, that make him able to understand everyone all of a sudden. Um, similar to the the Doctor Who translation matrix thing, which is why everyone speaks British English on Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, so you find out that over the course of the interactions that he has with a couple of aliens on the, on the bridge, and we'll get to individual characters in a second, that they are... Um, that this ship is a Leviathan, which is a type of ship in this universe, which is it's actually... It's a living being, yes. Yes, it's a living. It's a living organism with like mechanical elements. Um, Remember the space whale from the reboot? <laughs> it's basically that without the city built on top of it. Yes, um, and the ship's name is Moya, which they mm. use, which they use a bunch. And I'm wondering if that means something in like some Aboriginal language that I'm not aware of. <laughs> um, and then, so there's there's a character that you see sort of like through holograms and whatever. Uh, called Pilot, who's like a giant insect. He's also it's also a puppet, hence the Henson ties. Um, uh, voiced by well, the Henson Company would have made the DRDs too. That yeah, they the most first, likely did. First yeah. sign of Henson right there. Was... Yep, yeah, the DRDs would have been theirs as well. Um, so Pilot is a big giant forearmed bug that Beetle, is a, basically, that yeah. is basically attached to the attached to Moya and runs it. Um, the voice for Pilot is done by Lanny Tupu, who we'll get to in a little bit for something else. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, you don't get a lot of Pilot right now. I mean, he's there, and he's just basically dispensing a lot of information. Um, Pilot will become a bigger, right, right now he's kind of a plot mover, and I think in the first two episodes he's largely a plot mover, but... I think as it goes on, you'll get more of Pilot as a character instead of well, just... Right, the, the problem with Pilot is the, the puppet itself was so big and clunky, they couldn't really do a lot of scenes with it, like yeah. inter interacting with the rest of the cast. Yeah, because you, so, be so, you had to be in that giant room that he was in. And... So most of the time, he's basically just voice of ship. Like... Yep. But they yeah, you just get the white shots. Yep. But they... They find ways as it goes on to give him character moments and stuff like that. They do, but like but, early on, they were just like, "Okay, we don't know how to actually like have this like cast walk through because they're going to trip over this wire, that wire, that cable, this yep. thing." So like, there's a lot of times where Pilot is just kind of off in the cockpit doing his own thing while everyone yep. else is doing yep. their mission, and he just pops in on hollow screens. Like, yep. And I'm convinced that, but it, it's a smart way to work around a limitation from what they had to work with, right? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm convinced that they call the first episode premiere, where you would where you would usually call in America at least you would call the first episode of a show pilot. But because one of the characters' names is Pilot, they don't do that. And um, I made that joke on one of the last pods we recorded, Highlander, I believe. Yeah. Um, you said so, we'll talk about the pilot, and I said, and we'll talk about other characters too. <laughs> like yes, yes, I haven't listened yeah. to the Highlander one again yet. Um, so yeah, so there's pilot. You also meet um, Dargo. Oh, I was going to start with Dargo, but either way, okay. um, Dargo is a Luxon who's basically—he's basically a Klingon with like headtails, right? I mean, it's kind of a mix between a Klingon see, and a Twi'lek from Star Trek. His name is uh, 
Dad, Argo, my name, my mind immediately went to Caldrogo. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, and and you find out that Dargo is in prison, and th- th- this this prison ship was run by the peacekeepers essentially, which is why they're attacking it because they want it back. Um, so you find out that Dargo was in prison because he was in, I assume, the Luxon army, and he he killed his superior. So then I guess they turned him over to the peacekeepers, and the peacekeepers threw him in, on a prison ship. Well, he was locked on a prison a prison colony where he was a minor, and I guess most of the colony yeah. died, and he was one that yep. lived. And it's a, it's a question they keep asking: yep. like, how did you live, Tet? Like, right? Yeah, because you would think he would have died pretty quick. Um, he's one of the characters that I think has an immediate Trek comparison. Um, he is, and I'm going to try to say this without giving away anything that he does later. He is like. Super aggressive Worf, right away. Like yeah, like he he's like Worf if he wasn't like <laughs> raised by humans. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you know all these characters change over the course of the show. So like you're if that if that's something that at this point you're kind of tires you, then he will change as will everyone else. Um, and yeah, so he is very much like you know they're trying to get control of the ship because it has a it also has a car on it that the that the peacekeepers use to like subjugate its regular function so they can tell it what to do easier and Dargo's trying to find a way to like they have no control over its movements at the moment so he's just tearing panels off and ripping wires out and pilots like what are you doing you're going to kill it. you're going to kill it what are what are you doing stop it and he's just like, I don't care. We need to be able to move, you know. Um, so he's very much aggressive and and all that right away. Um, and then you also have. Do you want to try Zahn's name? I hate. I never get it right. Uh, oh, Zoto Zahn. Yep. So she is a Delvian. Um, had they? See, I don't want to say this. She, really. She's a priestess in her race, and like her race is like very like artsy. She said she's like a heretic even for her race because she does she, like she called herself. Her she, she called herself she an, called anarchist. an anarchist. Yeah, and that was the reason why she, she was in prison. That she's the lead anarchist on her uh, planet. Yeah, yeah, but basically they're like her whole race is basically hippies from the '60s, where like. They're not violent, but they're just free expression. Yep. But did they? Is the best way to sum her character up for now. I'm going to try to dance around this just because I I don't know how important this actually is to the plot, but I don't want to give this up. I mean, when you boil it down, they're basically Navi without Avatar. Yeah. I I wouldn't know. (laughs) I guess. I I hate giving that movie any credit for anything, but yeah, I guess. Um, This is before Avatar. So, yeah, by ten years. Uh, so did did they did they say did they say anything in these first two episodes about what her biological origins are? I don't want really. Okay, so I don't so I don't I don't want to say that then. Yeah, that, no, save save that for a little later because I'm pretty sure there's an episode within the next like four that kind of starts to yeah. touch on like all of. Yep, as you said, she's basically a priest. She's very empathetic towards others, and like she's very much the calming influence on all the insanity that will 
break out on this ship in this episode and the next one we're going to do in every episode of this show from the beginning to end pretty much um i think she becomes the one who is you know n- not everyone may agree with her positions but i think she's almost universally respected by everyone just mm-hmm. for her lack of tendency to go flying off the handle um but you know and she's She's, well, she's she's the one like even early on she's the one most likely to hear everybody out and then figure out their plan of action because like right Dargo just wants to smash Crichton kind of just wants to run away Rigel just wants to hide like yep so she's like okay well what what can we do to get everyone on page yeah she's she's the she's the bridge basically between everybody mm-hmm. um and this this cat you know and I don't feel like I'm really spoiling anything per se because i'm not gonna tell you exactly how this happens but this cast will grow and change to some extent over the course of the show so uh, at least for this at least for this first iteration she's kind of the the bridge character between everybody else and i am yeah and i'm actually the belief that she is a better version of star trek's deanna troy um (laughs) just because you know, she has similar empathic powers to Troy, but these people know how to write for those instead of the, the the moronic writers at Star Trek at the time who were like, let's give this character empathic powers and then determine that we can't ever figure out how to use them without ruining every plot we ever do. Um, so, yeah, well, let's give her boobs. Yeah, and put her in that in those weird pajamas. Yeah. She's um, empathic because the show wanted an empath. She's not empathic just to have brain rape like fucking Trek did with Deanna a lot of times. Right, right. Yeah, they they use Zahn's thing for a lot of to a lot of cool effect actually. Mm-hmm. Um, which also which brings us. Oh, she was played by Virginia Hay, um, and uh, which brings us to Rigel, another puppet character. He's basically a, for lack of a better term, a little slug on a gravity sled who just kind of floats around. He was a uh, deposed royal, a deposed member of the Hynerian royal family. Um, he says that his cousin or something, or his sibling, he was like king of the Hynerian... Oh, it was his brother, okay. It was, no, it was his cousin. Oh, his cousin, alright. So, uh, he, he was like king of the Hynerians, and then, yeah, and his his cousin pulled a coup on him when he was sleeping, and I guess basically just turned him over to the hein- turned him over to the peacekeepers to get rid of him. Um, so he's he- the reason why they're kind of free at this moment because he's the one who bribed the guards at the last mission or whatever it was. Oh right, the last. I think he says the last commerce planet they went to. He was able to yeah. bribe somebody to get yeah, the get the codes to the exactly. cells or whatever. Um, Rigel is basically a more nuanced quark. Um, like, and I like Quark. I mean, don't get me wrong. Quark is one of my favorite characters on that on Deep Space Nine. I think he does a lot for the whole Ferengi idea. But Rigel is the next evolution of Quark, essentially. Well, he's um, just a self entitled, spoiled fucking jerk. Is basically yep. the how he starts off in these first few episodes. Like, yep. I love. I loved, you know, he's al- he's always thinking about like, okay, well, how is this going to, whatever we do, how can I best profit from this? Or, you know, he has no problem like stealing from these people that he has to be around to get 
whatever he wants done or needs. Um, well, that's just it. Like as the show goes on, like everyone you can see the friendships growing. But with Rigel, mm-hmm. it's he never really looks at any of them like a friend. Yeah. I mean, does it? I can't remember. Does that by the end of the show he does? At oh, least. there's there's a big character arc for Rigel, but yeah. as of now, as of right just, now, yeah, he's just a shit heel. Like he's the one that nobody likes because he yep. makes himself so unlikable. Yes. Oh yeah. And he's voiced by Jonathan Hardy. Uh, I don't know if this this guy has done anything else that I've ever would have seen or not. I don't know, um, but he has the most intense eyebrows I have ever seen. Oh, yeah. oh the the Rigel puppet? Hell yeah! No, no, the actor. No, oh, okay. Look yeah. him up sometime. Yeah. Uh, he's oh, got that's... some fucking hairy caterpillars up on his fucking forehead. That's interesting. I never really, oh, yeah. I've, I've never looked him up. Uh, so I oh, guess I'll have to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so while this is going, you know, they're they're having these initial meetings and they're trying to find a way to get the control collar thing off the ship because they can't really do anything while that's going on. And I think it just comes off because Dargo happens to pull the right wire out. Um, Basically, yeah. Right. So then the caller goes... like 30 of the wrong wires first, and that's why Violet was freaking out. But eventually, yes, he does get the right one, the caller falls off, and they starburst. Yep. So then... Before Before they starburst... Before they leave... uh, Yeah, the starburst is basically the equivalent of the Star Trek warp drive. Um, But... It's obviously a physical act on the part of this living being that they're all in. Um, so it has limitations and that she she has to and Moya is a she, so I will I will refer to it as a she on whenever possible. Um, she does have to like charge it up. like she can't just do it whenever she feels like. you know because yep. it, it's a it's a tiring thing for her and it has to she has to like sit there and charge it well, up. It burns up a bunch of nutrients that she stores up through space and yeah, it's the same yep. as like any other being, like it's a physical exertion so she can't just jump 17 times in a row like there, there yep. has to be a, a breather period. Yep, so before that, we are introduced to uh, the, the the peacekeepers who are basically um, the I guess they're technically the law enforcement arm of this part of the galaxy, but they're all, they're, you know, the closest analog I can think of are like the empire from star Wars or the nuts meets meets the Kardashians from star Trek. The Kardashians. Yep. I also, Kardashians. uh, I was right. (laughs) Okay. We'll go with that. Orange half of them are That's Kardashians. That's true. Um, <laughs> and my my immediate thought too was the Nazis, especially when they yeah, started. That's right, man. <laughs> especially well, that's almost any, almost any time you get that big bureaucratic <laughs> fucking like military force. That's kind of the illusion, right? Yeah. Well, especially when uh, toward the end of episode one, when they're talking about a particular character's contamination, I was like, oh yeah, that's real Nazi. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's um, technology right there. <laughs> so we are we are no then introduced pure. to. We kill you now. Yeah. Yep. So we're yeah, then you, you literally breathe the same air as a filthy fucking like unknown species. Like you're fucked. You're done. Yeah. Yep. Like, <laughs> so yeah, but we'll we'll get into the example of that in a, in a second because that's that leads to one of the characters joining the ship. Um, we are here. We are introduced to um, peacekeeper Captain Bylar Crace, uh, played by Lonnie Tupu, the voice of pilot. Uh, phys- physically played by the same guy, and he is... I call him Evil Captain Inigo Montoya. Yeah, he's he's excellent, he's by the way. Him, yeah. 
Yep. I well, not just the look, but like he's literally the first time you see him like face to face with any of the cast. He's like, "You are the man who killed my brother, and I am going to kill you." Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, there you go. Yep. So he he very quickly has a mad on for Crichton because you find out that that whole th- that whole uh, peacekeeper ship that he slammed into and it, it rammed into like a asteroid and blew up or something had uh, Crazy's brother was the pilot. And Crace's brother's now dead, so he very much wants Crichton's head on a spike. Um, so they are able to starburst away from there into what they were. They in the uncharted territories at that point, or is that after no, they, they blast off into the uncharted territories? I don't know if that's where they started or what, but I think they were basically yeah. like when we once they uh... go go. Uh, when we meet up with them, they're basically escaping from the peacekeepers' fucking control, and I don't know if that's like busting off a planet or just breaking away from this convoy they had going. I think it happened. was a convoy type thing, yeah. and I think the I idea think it was just breaking away from the convoy. Once they starburst, that's yep. when they got into uncharted territory. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I think the whole idea was to go there because there's no peacekeeper jurisdiction there, and they can get a they can. They're supposed to be able to get away from them, but yep. where, yeah, he killed his brother, he takes a personal and follows them into places that aren't his jurisdiction, which, yep. yeah. So, um, they all kind of look at John like he's basically an idiot, uh, because compared to them, he sort of is, and that's Well, he kinda... doesn't know how anything works, and, like, once you get into the third episode, they touch on that more, which I watched out of order but yeah yep. yeah they're, they're, that actually becomes a part of the plot point in the third episode and it's it's yeah done yeah. really well well yep. in the in the second one certain characters actually refer to him as a savage mm-hmm. they compare him to you know people on the other planet yeah well, again without, without spoilers like you'll get more yeah. of that in the next episode and it actually does like he kind of has a moment where he's just like, I don't even, I, it takes me 10 minutes to even figure out like how a door works, let alone be able to be useful to this group. Yeah. Yep. And eventually, yeah, he does grow into it. He starts to pick up on things and yeah. So they also, you know, so they're, they, they tolerate John at first because he's kind of just kind of there and, you know, he's, he's not really, you know, Dargo like throws him up against a wall and says like, go away. Um, and I think they do put him in a cell, just because. Well, Rigel, yeah, spits in his face and then locks him yep. in the cell with the peacekeeper that they ended up tractor beaming on. Right. Yeah, there was jump. one of the peacekeeper ships gets pulled into the starburst thing, and they take her out. They take the the person out of the prowler and stick her stick him in a cell. And this is and where I gotta say I do like the look of the peacekeeper's fucking like flight helmet and jumpsuit. I like that a lot. It was... It's all black, it's nothing, like, crazy mm-hmm. thoughtful, but, like, it just looks yep. really good. Like, it's visually, like, ooh, yeah, that's definitely a bad guy. Like, and it's far enough away from, like, ripping off the storm the stormtroopers from Star Wars, where I'm not like, oh, shit, yeah. God, you know. Um, so, the pilot, like, takes her helmet off, and we are introduced to Aaron's son, played by Claudia Black, who, um, I freaking love Claudia Black. Like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Always have. She's always done something for me. I've loved her on this show, um, and I think yeah, she's done something. Yeah, Love yeah. Something. I, I know. Uh, maybe it's the accent too, though. You know. Um, so yeah, she she automatically assumes John is is. Uh, I believe the race of the peacekeepers is Sebation. Is that correct? Sebation. Yeah. Okay. She immediately assumes John is another 
Sebastian, because they look similar enough. And she, like, attacks him and says, like, why are you out of uniform? What are you doing here? And he has no clue what any of this is. He's like, okay, uh, sure. And, um, you know, they basically, uh, the, the other folks go down to, they go to a commerce planet because they have to find, um, like you said, the starburst thing burns through nutrients for the ship and they have to find some sort of fluid that they're out of. That it yeah. needs to well, do they that need again. supplies of all kinds, and like mm-hmm. Rigel tries to give them this big fucking shopping list of like useless stuff. Yeah, like no essentials. Fuck yep. off. And Dargo's like, "We need that fucking fluid, you little rat. Shut up." Yeah. <laughs> um, so the the three of them go down to the go down to the planet in a. They basically have a shuttlecraft. There's no like transporters or any of that on this ship. Well, Dargo goes down to the planet, but then Crichton yeah, I thought, and I thought they were all break good. out. No, right, they break out and steal her. Yeah, yeah, no, but I thought all the all the aliens go and they just leave John and Aaron in a cell. I don't know right. if Zan goes, but I, I know yeah, Dargo goes, and I'm pretty sure Rigel goes at one yeah, point. He was trying to barter. He was trying to barter with, with, the, with that giant yeah, lobster then, thing. But then, like, they run into the peacekeepers. They get away. Aaron goes with them, and when you go back to the ship, Rigel's there, but you never see him in like the whole skirmish in the street. And it's like, well, where'd he go? Yeah, I'm not sure. It was well, that's, that's the Rigel, one like continuity. Oh, because that doesn't and, uh, and the Zong goes back as well. So like only right. yeah, okay. doesn't doesn't Dargo real doesn't Dargo realize that the peacekeepers are there and he sends them back? Well, no, Crichton he's, and yeah, Aaron yeah, are sneaking. I think the idea was uh, he figures out that peacekeepers are coming, and he's like, well, they wouldn't come into our territory, so Crichton and uh, Sun must be really important. The peacekeepers are coming here. So he stays and sends them back to the ship. Right. Okay. So then, yeah, they, um, Aaron and John run into a peacekeeper detachment with led by Crace. And you know, there's a whole thing, a whole interaction between John and Grace where he's like, "You killed my, you killed my, you killed my brother, you you killed my brother, you son of a bitch." And John's just like, "Oh, that? Yeah, I'm sorry. That was a complete accident. I didn't mean to well, kill well, anybody." You mean, you mean that near miss? And like, Grace has a great line where he's like, "It was no mere near miss to my brother. You fucking killed him." And it's yeah. just like, "Ooh, yep. there you go. Stakes are yep. risen." Yep. And then I, I actually kind of loved when. Uh, because Crace asks Aaron, like, what's your read on this guy? And he sa- she says, oh, there's no way he could have, like, legitimately killed your brother. He's far too stupid to have done that yeah, on purpose. He's, he's, he's too dumb to be malicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I believe him when he says it's an accident because he was too dumb for it to be anything else. Um, so... Uh, Dargo show... And again, Ben, ben Browder's facial pain. reactions... Ben Browder's facial reactions to lines like that are perfect because he's just like, "Hey, you're not wrong, but hey." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my you're favorite line, my right. favorite my favorite line of John's in the first episode is is when he's when he first gets the microbes and he's just watching them interact. He's just like, "What the hell is the matter with you people?" <laughs> like, when he walks I don't know. In and before he gets the microbes and like literally like a blue crazy fucking skinned alien and a big fucking like tentacle faced fucking ginger Klingon like <laughs> talking these languages he doesn't know and he just goes uh hi <laughs> yep <laughs> like perfect so Dargo shows up and breaks them out uh 
and then they're they're on the run from the peacekeeper people, and so they get, you know, they run into a couple of them like in an alley, and they're in handcuffs still. But uh, John pulls a gun on them and gets them to give him the key, and they have the, the three of them have this debate about which one of them should be let out of the cuffs, and Aaron's just like unlock me, and they go why? No, <laughs> we don't we don't trust you. Why? And <laughs> and then um, John is like. Why would we do that? And or he he makes her an offer, like yeah, come with us. They they don't want it because uh, Craze at this point has said you know that, you're unclean. That they they would have like an unknown species. Yeah, yeah, that they would have to determine whether she still had a place with the peacekeepers because of how much she had been exposed to aliens. Um, so he, you know, he says, "Come with us." They don't give a shit about you, basically anymore. And, you know, she's like, I'm not going with you. These people are what what I was raised to be. This is what I am. I'm supposed to be with these people. And then, and Milos, this will mean nothing to you at this point. But I realize going through this again, he says the line right here that determines her entire arc for this show. Mm-hmm. He just, four simple words, you can be more. Mm-hmm. And... Then, I, then, you know, I only kind of remember this show in broad strokes because it's been probably 15 years since I've seen it now before yesterday. And I kind of thought about it and went, you know what? That they sums were, it up nicely. They were foreshadowing the entire thing right there. Mm. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, he, has one of, he has one of my favorite lines of the episode when they're in the fucking alleyway. And he grabs the gun. And he's like, everybody down on the ground or I will pump you full of hot... Little yellow uh, bolts yellow of light. Orbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, little yellow bolts of light. I think Carano just looks at him like, oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I think it's just the way he delivers a lot of these lines, you know? I don't know what it is. It's just something about the way Browder no, delivers lines. So he starts to say a saying that's like popular on Earth, if you would. But yeah. Like halfway through, he just realizes, like, they're not going to get it, but he's still... Yeah. And there's a lot anyways. of things there's a lot of those like little pop culture references that he'll throw out throughout the yeah. entire series yeah. that really feels like half of what James Gunn based star Lord's fucking quips to the yep. crew on. Well, the, I think the second episode, which we're going to do in a separate show, uh, has the first one of those, which I'll, which I'll call out yeah. when we get there. Um, and I think the, the, you know, the, I think that serves two purposes because it's like that kind of stuff where you're right, Brent, he does make a ton of those references over the show, but it's like, A, that's, I think for one, that's appealing to the audience to go like, hey, he's one of us, yay. And and then it's also humorous because he keeps doing it, but none of these people know what he's talking about. because there's it, a- it serves exactly both of those purposes. Yeah. To show the audience that this guy is human, regardless of how many like humanoids are running around that aren't. Yeah, and and exactly what you said. Like it's the lost in translation. Just it's more that stranger in a strange land. Like things that people from Earth would just recognize and pick up and have a conversation about. They just look at him like he's a fucking like you're ins- you're insane. Yeah, like what um, are you talking about? Like <laughs> so then at that point they they get away from the peacekeepers and she does. Aaron does decide to stay with them, and they go. I believe they go further into the uncharted territories at this point, and then. Under the idea that, as we said earlier, there would be no peacekeeper jurisdiction there. They, they try to get away. The peacekeepers are, like, on their ass. They use Crichton's fucking slingshot maneuver with Moya to 
Oh, I left out. Yeah. Right. Yep. He's trying. Okay. Of that, like. So the the end of the episode is basically they're trying to get away from the the peacekeeper carrier thing, but they can't go quickly enough because the the carrier thing that's attacking them is faster than they are. So Crichton's sitting there like doing you know. He ends up being the one that saves their bacon because he asks he, for a piece of paper, and they yep. look at and him then, like, they're like, "What? What are you paper? So he just starts. So he just starts writing writing equations on the floor, mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out how to replicate the slingshot thing to give them enough speed to get away from this terror thing that's about to kill them. So and none of them are a good enough pilot, so it falls to Aaron yep. to be the one to do it, and that's when she kind of ingratiates herself to the prisoner crew, and they all kind of have a moment, like to a degree. Plan, so he's Crichton's plan, so he's not an idiot. Aaron helped them actually do it and get away, so like she's she's still questionable for her loyalties, but like that's a big sign for someone like a warrior race like Drogo or uh, Dargo. <laughs> We're going to call him Drogo a lot. It's going to happen a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> there are some similarities, too. I mean, it's not a completely off-base yeah. thing. Um, yeah, so the slingshot thing works with a much bigger example, because Moy is huge, and they go off into the uncharted territories, and basically the first episode ends at that point. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do the second one as a separate show, so we'll just do closing thoughts here. Uh, Milos, you're just... You're just uh, dipping your foot in the water here, just based on this first hour, what did you think? I thought it was amazing. And I, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, like, I'm jumping straight into the second one. And once that one was over, I was like, damn, now I have to wait a couple of days to watch well, more. That's why you're glad we set, we set a recording date for the next tour already, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I think, I think like, just looking at it, like, as far as the episode goes, Loved it as far as the show goes. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I think I we should. Do, I think we should. Do. It, yeah. I think the hardest part of doing this is gonna be like the times when I'm not watching the show because usually, especially now that I have a lot of time off, I would you just probably binge through this in a week. Yeah. Week, well, so I think we should try to. We should try to do. It's gonna be like the hardest part of it. Yeah. But absolutely. We love should. The show. We should try to do as many of them as we can while my wife's gone, which I've still yeah. got another. I've still got another two weeks of that. So like, okay, so yeah, even if we like every second or third day we record, yeah, there's plenty of time to. And we'll have a ton banked by that point. We can just release them when we want. Yeah. Um, you know, because we can. I can do five and six on Friday if we yeah. want. I can um, do whenever for the next little bit. Yeah. Yeah, could do a, could do a couple. Well, we're doing Broken Bow at some point this weekend with the other guy, but we'll we'll figure that out. Um, I really hope his first name is actually Ron, because then you can say like, "Did you ever hear of Rom Space Knight?" Oh, he's like he's like if we ordered it on Wish, he's Ron Space Knight, Spence Knight. Oh, okay. Well. All right, so this was a this was a nice pilot uh, premiere discussion. Oh, I, I, I got I got my final thoughts on it. Oh yes, your your final it. thoughts, of course. Yeah, I, everything in this is just great. Like I love puppet work, and they play the puppets very earnestly. I love the makeup work that they use in this show. Like the aliens actually look really nice. Yeah, like, it's almost it's almost all practical effects or puppetry. So like, there's not big crazy CGI moments like. Like the, the, when Rigel is talking to the alien, he's trying to barter a ring with it. 
it's this weird mm-hmm. like crocodile with like a fucking hinged jaw like and it, it again you know you're looking at a puppet but they play it so seriously that like you ignore that yeah like there, there's a lot of little things that like you can feel the henson because i i said this on the christmas pod that i was on with karen when we did the two the, the muppets family christmas and muppet christmas carol like one thing about the Jim Henson, like they know their puppets are a little bit silly, but they never act like they are. Like, right? You get someone like Michael Caine in the cast with them, who's playing everything so fucking earnestly that, like, it raises what, like, it it, it suspends your disbelief that, like, oh, hey, I'm just looking at shitty fucking puppets. Like, oh, these aren't. Yeah, yeah no, I know what you mean, but these are not. I mean, to me, at least the major puppets that we see here oh, are, great, are, yeah. are by no means shitty puppets. I mean, just the... No, but you know what I mean. Like, a lot yeah. of people, like, normal audiences, if you're trying to get normies in and not just the sci-fi fans, like, yeah, pup- puppets is usually a pretty quick turnoff for a lot of people, but, like, yep. they never play these, like, silly puppets. I mean, oh, no. Rigel, Rigel, when he starts farting helium, is a little bit silly, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, like, the biggest joke of the first hour, where, like... Yeah, at one point you just hear Rigel pass gas, and then everybody's and then voice kind of goes voice up. Goes, yeah. and he, Wait a minute, you first helium? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, only when I'm only nervous when I'm or pissed off. off. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Or so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And for me, like this, I mean, uh, not to get all sentimental or anything, but like watching this again for me was like, and I know I said a couple of times it's been a long time. And I've been. It's like meeting up with an old yeah. friend for the first yeah, time like, in twenty years. <laughs> it's like it's like wearing a comfortable pair of shoes again. Like mm-hmm. just to be right, just to be right back in this, and like just even halfway through the first episode, it's like I almost forgot how much I love this show. Mm-hmm. Oh and my like god! Every actor right off the hop gets their character right away. Oh yeah, like, no right time, away. There's no right time away. to wait and figure out like. Oh, who is my character? I need a better storyline to actually figure out the little. No, they all come in pretty well, fully formed, and it's like you know what points yep. to the cast. Like they, they all I, do a really good job. I would credit that to the cast. I would also credit that to the show creator Rockneyus O'Bannon, who probably mm-hmm. gave them, who At probably Bible, yeah. who probably gave all of them fairly well fleshed out characters to start with. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, this is to me, this is a a. Uh, obviously a masterclass in like non-franchise sci-fi writing. It's, um, it's everything a pilot episode to a sci-fi should be. Yep. Exactly. Like, all your characters are flushed out. They get you right into the storyline. There's no dilly-dallying. Like, they, they push things along at a pretty good pace. Like, Yeah. No, the, yeah. the pacing like everything, is... Everything is... The pacing very is well phenomenal. Um, it's very well realized. Like I said, like the first seven minutes and you're already in the middle of a battle with the aliens, with him on board and you're starting to figure out who is what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it wastes right away. There's, 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 yeah. (laughs) Like you said last night on the chat, like it's very economic. (laughs) Yeah. It's extraordinarily economical. And maybe, maybe some of that was, and that's kind of how shows back then were done. You didn't have, you know, there were no streaming shows back then, which gave you more, and no, like, pay cable. I mean, this was one of the very early, like, pay cable shows. Or no, this is, this technically isn't pay cable. No, but it, it's made in that mindset. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they thought it was going to get put on one of the, like, specialty cable channels. And it, did, right. it just got picked up right. by one of the normal ones instead. But, yeah, I mean, this this had, you know, this had, for what at the time would have been full season episode orders they did like 20 a year i think Mm -hmm. at least 
Something so around there, yeah. This wasn't. This isn't like the the boutique streaming thing. We're like, uh, and you know, not to crap on those. A lot of those now were really well made, but you know, this was not a. Oh, we're gonna do ten episodes a year, and yeah, this was full grind, like twenty four, twenty to twenty four shows a year at very high production level. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and yeah. and I and like they had to be clever because they had to work around the limitations of puppets and of makeup. You know what I mean? Like the like, yeah, they had to be smart enough to write around some of the most obvious like issues they had, which writers today just aren't, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think there's some of that. And this show, too, like, I think it almost works to their benefit that they were on something like the Sci-Fi Channel. Because mm-hmm. at that point, at that point, I think, I don't think the Sci-Fi Channel was considered that big of a deal. No, and, it was basically the Star Trek rerun channel at yeah, that time. Yeah, and they were allowed to, they were given way more leeway, I think, than they would have been on a major network or if this show existed now. Like, I think Sci-Fi Channel so got like really... Like ABC or CBS or whatever, yeah. I don't think... Well, it's basically, yeah. like, that's... that. I, and I go on back to Voyager on this one, like, that was the idea of putting Voyager on... What network was it? UPN. UPN, because, like, l- slightly less restrictions than an ABC or yep. whatever, like, I'm, you know what I mean? So, like, again, this does a lot of things that Voyager really probably should have. Yep. No, like yeah, that stranger in a strange land, like having like a couple episodes on Voyager where like the crew really has to learn to work with each other. Like I know the Maquis come from the same galaxy, so like the technology is basically the same. But like, <laughs> there's a lot of like early episodes of Firescape where like you're seeing Crichton learn to be a part of the team. Where like you could have used that in Voyager to really like get some of the early characters across. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I. My other thing, too, is that I had kind of been... And granted, we had this idea to do these shows, so it sort of accelerated my timetable for this. But I had floated this as something to watch with my wife, because she also, like you, likes a lot of the Henson stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that watching this with her would take us, like, two years. Um, <laughs> and, and and just the idea, just the idea was, like... Just when we had the idea of like, oh, we should watch this, and Milos has never seen it, and it's be really fun to do shows on. Um, I think I didn't realize how much I missed this show. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not even just this show; it's just solid writing with a solid idea from the start. Like, yeah, you can tell when people love the thing they're working on, and right away, right from well, not really the first scene because that whole like Cape Canaveral stuff is a little bit dull. Like, people are just kind of like. It's it's basic interactions, but like as soon as he hits the Moya, yeah, crew, but it's like, like five minutes of the show, exactly, and that's, yeah. that's why I'm saying yeah. like it's great that they don't linger on it. But like as soon as you hit the Moya crew and you see the makeup and you see the puppets and you see everybody interacting with each other, like you can tell they all just right away they clicked, they liked it, and they wanted to make something good. Like mm-hmm. the it other wasn't just a paycheck for them. Like the other thing I will say in my I mentioned meant to mention this earlier, but we'll we'll make it my final thought, I guess. I like the fact that when this episode is over, they're not... All the the people on Moya are not all friends. They're just mm-hmm. people, that, people that are kind of stuck with each other, and they have, to wor- they have to work together to survive this situation that they're in. But they're not, they're not all... They're not all buddy-buddy <laughs> by the end of the first hour, basically, which 
you know, and, is, and it's even into the third and fourth episode before they really start to warm up to each other. Yeah, by doing I mean, it takes things that earn respect, right? Like, it's and not a lot. Just, yeah, no, you're right. It takes a lot of time, and even even early on, like even a lot of the dynamics sort of change over time, and like there will be times where some of them get along and some of them don't, and then that'll that'll shift. And you know, I I would say to a certain degree, some of that goes on throughout the entire show. Like it, it does, never. Yep. You know, they're n- almost never like a completely unified group in any way. Um, but that's the thing, like with with Zahn being like this weird hippie priestess, and Dargo being this weird warrior culture, and Crichton kind of being just like a humanitarian, more or less, right? Like, yeah, Aaron, Aaron being a more militaristic, and like Rigel just being a self-centered cunt. Like, there's so many different character dynamics where, like, even though they get along, like if Crichton gives mercy. Dargo's probably going to be, like, fucking weakling, like... Yep. If yeah, Zahn, like, yeah, tries to do something, like, weird mystical, like, Rigel's probably going to be like, no, fuck you, how dare you do something like that to me? So, like, there's there's a lot of just, like, character dynamics that, like, even without seeing any of it happen, you know you can work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it leaves for a lot of really interesting character development, which we'll get to as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these... Early ones start that, but you don't really start to get that until, you know, further in when it's a little more established than it is right now. Um, Like, to me, there's, you know, and the next episode we'll be doing, which we're actually going to record right now, but we'll probably release it at some point in the future, is episode two, IET. Um, So we'll... Which I have not watched yet. (laughs) Yeah, because, well, I will say this to anyone who's going to try to you know, watch along with this before they listen to them or as after they listen to them. Um, some of the places that list the airing order are not wrong, but, like, if you if you have them the way I have them, like, I, I bought the Blu-rays, right, when it came out on Blu-ray a couple years ago, and those, I think, have it in production order, where if you go, like, I just realized this on um, IMDb today, they have the, I think, what Sci-Fi Channel has as the airing order, which is completely different from what the Blu-rays have. And yeah, and as far as I can tell, Tubi has the airing order, because I, I watched the pilot episode yeah. and let it play through, and I ended up with the fifth episode. I think yeah, which is actually, which, which by production order is episode three. I was actually going to watch that one tonight, so we could do three and four on Wednesday. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I actually looked at it's the IMDb, yeah, I actually looked at the IMDb thing, and it had the, the title of the third episode listed as the second, but it had the plot as plot for the actual second listed under it. So I was very confused. Um, so we will touch base at the end of every episode as to I think by season two, they just go straight. I think it um, fixes itself, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we will always mention what the next one in the order is, so that you're, if you're somebody who's listening along with us and watching it as you listen to them, you're not fumbling around going, okay, which one do I go to next? Um, so, Fuck yeah. The audience, I'm a stoner. I'm going to need that fucking, like, hey, this is the next one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I think it's only, like I said, I think it's only through, like, maybe the first six or eight where they jerk it around. Yeah, it's um, only the first little while, but yeah. Because I'm going to keep my eye on that because I wasn't thinking about that last night. And like I said, yeah. I ended up watching an episode that we're not going to talk about for until uh, next time. Yep. Eventually, I mean, it becomes. And th- the other thing I will say is that this is a. Once it gets going and lays the groundwork, this is a very serialized show. 
So it would almost be harder to not do it straight through once you get to a certain point, because once certain things are introduced, which we won't mention what they are, it becomes a very serialized show at that point. Yeah, you, you've so, got to go week by week, or else you miss a big chunk of information, <laughs> and then when you try and jump back in, you're just like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, so we will uh, stop this one here and uh, reconvene in a few minutes for IET. So... Thanks for joining me, boys. This was fun. I'm looking forward to this journey that we're on. Okay. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs>